Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. My brand new book, Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth, is now available. So much more than a book, this is a guide that allows me to hold your hand through your birth preparation journey. With over a decade of experience and knowledge packed in to ensure you really are empowered in the way you deserve to achieve a positive birth, regardless of the twists and turns that crop up. Make sure that you get your hands on Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth Book now and are empowered to have the birth experience that you deserve. Hello, I'm Midwife Pip and welcome to the Midwife Pip podcast, the home of honest expert chat. My mission is to provide you with the very best support and information through pregnancy, birth and beyond with my online courses over at midwifepip.com. And as a podcast listener, I'm also offering you an exclusive 15% off all my online courses using code PODCAST15. With no further ado, let's get chatting. Pregnancy is an incredibly precious time, but along with this often comes a sense of uncertainty, perhaps a little vulnerability and anxiety. A degree of anxiety is expected. However, for some women, this becomes troublesome and requires some help and intervention to improve things. It's thought that around one in 10 women experience anxiety during their pregnancy. So you are most definitely not alone if you are feeling this way. And this week's guest is here to explain the whys, whats and hows behind perinatal anxiety. Now, I've got so much pressure to pronounce your name correctly. We've got Dr. Jorge Palicios. Was that right? Was that anywhere near close? In, in some of the practices, you, you did better. Pippa, I did better. So. Oh, uh, it's my, it's my Spanish uh, accent. It's just not optimal, is it? I really need to go on don't holiday. Worry, don't worry. It's not easy. It's not easy. When you, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you need to start ordering some tapas soon somewhere. Yeah. Um, that I can do. <laughs> but uh, you are a senior digital scientist and researcher at Silver Cloud Health, the mental health yeah. platform offering scalable solutions to suit the needs of all its users. And Silver Cloud Health is the NHS's prime provider of digital therapy, using internet-based cognitive behavioral therapy to deliver a range of programs across the mental health spectrum. Silver Cloud Health have a specific space for perinatal wellbeing programs to help individuals better manage their mental health during the perinatal periods. And as a leader in the field of digital mental health, you are obviously committed to providing this accessible and evidence-based mental health solutions to all who needs it. And with a special interest in maternal mental health, you are the perfect person to come and chat to us today. So thank you so much for your time and massive apologies for my Spanish. 
No, no worries, no worries. Um, I'll pronounce my name correctly to make you look bad. Um, it's yeah, go for Jorge it, go for Palacios. it. Jorge Palacios. But the thing is, um, now everyone knows why I struggled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I just gave you the benefit of the doubt. There, yeah. um, <laughs> well, thank you for joining me. And I want to just, first of all, unpick what led you specifically to have an interest in not just mental health, but specifically the perinatal period, because there's obviously a massive scope of mental health that you could have gone into. But perinatal, why was that? Well, um, so, f well, first, let me just say, Pip, that um, I just want to thank you for your profession. Um, I uh, This is a good chance for me to, to personally um, appreciate what midwives do and the value that they have for um, for just society in general. But for me recently, because I, I was I just became a father a year ago, a year and a half ago. Oh, congratulations. And, uh, oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I got some firsthand experience about how valuable uh, midwives are. I mean, I don't know what we would have done without you guys. Um, obviously, in a pandemic, um, it was really hard. Um, we there were a, there was a lot of anxiety experienced by me and my partners. So, um, thanks to you guys, yeah, we pulled through, and we're we're the happy parents of a one and a half uh, monster gremlin <laughs> but beautiful boy um so uh so yeah yeah i just wanted to say that but um but as of my own interests um so i i studied medicine right um, and i do have some genetic uh, lineage um uh, uh, mental health wise as well as um uh, medical um so my grandfather my father uncle brother and i have aunts and cousins who are either doctors or psychologists or psychiatrists oh, so there was kind blood, of no like, getting literally. away from that yeah yeah I, I couldn't get away i tried to i, I studied um, engineering and applied maths before medicine <laughs> uh, because i thought i was going to be the outlier but now um they <laughs> they pulled me in so um so i i did um i did medicine first and then i was always interested in that in, in essentially the, the mental aspect of physical health. I always believed and, and obviously continue to believe strongly that physical and mental health are, are intertwined and they're inescapable from each other. Um, and so uh, a lot of my work and my background, my research has been in conditions that are really linked to, to mental health, like heart disease or diabetes, you know, like long-term conditions where inevitably um, mental health plays a role. Um, I started at Silver Cloud five years ago, um, jumped uh, from, I did my PhD at King's uh, College London and then um, uh, jumped into industry uh, where, you know, I'm proud that, you know, this is, um, this is a place in my company that believes strongly in evidence-based and research, you know, leading to the uh, solutions that we have on offer because that means a lot of people benefit and benefit from you know um, uh, solutions and products which have evidence to back them up right mm -hmm. um, but this is across the spectrum of mental health um, with regard to perinatal um, like I said you know there's there's a lot of things about physical mental health that are intertwined um, I again recently became a father so it's you know something that's personally I believe strongly in um, but also because of the 
the time that we're going through collectively um, as, a, as a society and things like this becoming even more stressful or, you know, new, you know, I guess before the pandemic, there was other things that, you know, we took for granted, you know, when it came to the perinatal period. Um, for example, just, you know, and um, this is, I mean, I'm, I don't want to veer off track too much, but pregnancy, we get a lot of, um, of our knowledge around pregnancy from what we see on TV and film, right? And when <laughs> we build up this expectation for how perfect it is and all of these moments where, you know, the, the, the parents are holding hands, looking at that first ultrasound and, you know, all of that stuff. And, and for us, um, it wasn't like that. I mean, I, the first ultrasound that we went to, I couldn't even be in the hospital. And that was incredibly stressful for my partner. You know, she, you know, begged them and asked them to, so, so I could go in. But like, you know, um, fair enough. The the rules at the time were such that I had to wait outside, and so I I couldn't be there to to listen to that heartbeat. You know, to to hold my partner's hand. Even think about it now, like, just gives me, you know, a bit of sadness. And we didn't experience all that. We couldn't tell our family members face to face, you know, how excited we were. Right, like it was all on on video conferencing. So there was a lot of unique things about the last two years that have made that period even more stressful. So I think it's both a, a professional and a personal level about why I think it's it's it, you know why I'm passionate about it and why I'm you know taking this opportunity to speak to you and, and really embraced the fact that you you were kind enough to invite us on. So yeah. That's 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 the reason. <laughs> yeah, I love what you just said. A couple of things that just really resonated with me. First of all, how you talk about the mental and physical health being so intertwined. And I think it really is about time we started recognizing that more and stop thinking that, you know, we can work so hard on our physical health because we see it externally more and ignore our mental mm. health. And I think that happens too much. And I think that happens even more when we think about pregnancy and possibly even the postpartum and parenthood because you've got this other mm -hmm. being that is very all-consuming and wonderful, but really, really tough. And we then start mm. to just neglect, I think, and bury and bury our mental well-being more and more. And I, yeah, I'd love what you say. We just, we just can't consider them separately, can we? They are completely interrelated. And what we do with one totally interplays with the other. And I think that's a really valid valid point just to emphasize for for anyone listening who perhaps has got a massive focus on one and neglecting the other because it just doesn't yeah. work we need that balance and then I totally yeah. feel what you said about that first ultrasound because actually I had this the exact same experience um with my husband so we've got an eight month old so by the time we got to birth things were all a little bit looser and less restricted but my first scan was this the same the same scenario as you had mm. to go on your own mm. um and i will f i think forever be cross at the nhs for those kind of rules because i could not un i ca i still cannot yeah understand the rationale i just don't get it yeah. it makes no sense to me and i think the impact that's had on so many families is honestly yeah. unforgivable and i know there'll be so many people listening that went through that same stress and that same anxiety around the lack of support um and i i often think you know and this is probably an interesting context speaking to yourself as a male um that 
if it was a men's health service, would that have been the same? And I will never know the answer, but it's just interesting that when hospitals were all kind of reconfigured to allow for COVID, pretty much in yeah. most hospitals, the ward that was moved was the gynae ward, like a women's only ward. And I don't want to yeah. sound like yeah. a really crazy feminist here, but I just think it's a really interesting no, thing. I, you know? I agree with you. I agree with you, Pip. And it's something that my partner like shouted about to anyone who who listen and I've supported her mm. um so much on that reason because um even like when when our baby was born when Julian was born um they had to stay in hospital for 7 days and I could only see them for 2 hours at a time but you know she was in this ward with six other women and the husbands were also allowed to come in only 2 hours and we thought like that's that's crazy because i mean we're all in this space anyway in in those two hours and you know like we're going outside and coming back in so why two hours like that i think that hasn't really been thought through and look to, to be fair um i don't think i mean I, I, again yeah like a crazy feminist but i don't think that that actually exists i think you have all the reason mm -hmm. um and my partner used to say i bet these rules were made by by you know guys somewhere and didn't take into account like you know the women actually experiencing this because um it was it was incredibly stressful and i don't think that uh, the consideration of how important mental health is in this period was considered that much it was all you know safety and covid and all, all of the physical stuff again and unfortunately mental health has lagged always in that regard and if even if you look at research um around perinatal anxiety it's acknowledged that the problem is is there there's a lot of lack of information because it you know it's just been neglected even i mean i bet most of the the women that you've seen as a midwife they know what postnatal depression is but how many really understand what perinatal anxiety is even though it's super common and in fact um research uh, systematic reviews um published in the last few years have determined that it's either actually around 15 to 25% of women who experience some level of anxiety in this period. So it is absolutely normal, absolutely normal. And, um, and you've got to be able to watch out for it, watch out for those signs. Um, but it's tough when society itself isn't, isn't acknowledging it uh, enough, you know? Um, so my partner was there for seven days because Julian had a little bit of um, hyper, uh, well, jaundice, uh, essentially. Um, and, you know, they were incredibly good at checking, you know, exactly what the level is and blah, blah, blah. But what was being done to handle the mental health aspect of it? Like, I would see her for two hours leave and she would cry. I would, like, be on the verge as well, cry when I got home sometimes. Like, it was tough, you know. But where are the resources around that? So, you know, I think it's definitely important to start to have conversations because there are resources out there, and I know we'll talk about that, but even just having conversations in podcasts like like yours, which a lot of people listen to, uh, so hopefully more and more women will go, yeah, I mean, this happened to me. The next time I talk about it or to a uh, 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 soon, soon-to-be mother or someone who's just become pregnant, let's let's talk about this early on so that if she feels that she needs to reach out about this, that it's just as normal as how bloated they feel or, you know, laughing about, you know, what foods that they suddenly wanted to eat or whatever. It's just, it's, it's the same. It's part of the whole, um, the whole conversation. You know? <laughs> 
We are just taking a mini pause from this episode to share with you an extra expert top tip from Avril, one of Apta Club's expert authors. Hi, I'm Avril Flynn, a midwife and childbirth educator. Did you know many new mums worry that their baby is not getting enough milk? But in the first few days, your newborn will only need a tiny few teaspoons of colostrum a day as their tummy is about the size of a small marble. For more information, sign up to aptaclub.co.uk. Yeah, so important. And just the thought of your wife there on, on the pace need towards seven, seven days, like... That's hard on its own. Like take out global pandemic, yeah. take out the absence of you. That's mentally tough, right? Then adding all yeah. of that, it's just, and what, what I think is really concerning is it wasn't so many years ago that mental health was our leading cause of maternal mortality. And yet we, 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 haven't, we haven't fixed it, have we? Like it's obviously yeah. still something that needs so much focus. Um, for sure, for sure. But stripping back to anxiety, what actually, mm-hmm. for anyone listening who kind of, we've all heard the term anxiety for sure, but but we maybe don't really understand what it is. Would you mind just kind of recapping what actually anxiety is? Yeah, sure. So, um, okay, so anxiety, I mean, uh, the, uh, this is, I've always preached about this when I've given lectures and, and taught it to people, but anxiety, just like depression, in the end are a series of symptoms. I mean, they're an accumulation of symptoms that um, mean different things to different people. But so it's really the easiest way to talk about what anxiety is, is to talk about the signs around anxiety, right? And 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 people listening will will probably go, oh yeah, this, this, I feel this, I feel that. So obviously it's, um, you know, it's, it's a feeling tense or unable to relax or, you know, having fears of the worst case scenario happening um, or even like, you know, feeling that the world is kind of speeding up or slowing down, um, constant worrying, um, fearing that others might be disappointed in you, even, you know, the the vicious cycle about worrying about being worried, you know, or thinking about a bad experience over and over again. Um, more extreme examples are uh, depersonalization, so feeling disconnected from your mind and body. Um, and, you know, even listing these things like i think everyone would have felt this at some point right in their lives you know there's as you said everyone knows what anxiety is because people talk about it and uh and sometimes gloss over it too much but um there's also some somatic symptoms so you know things that we can actually um, point to or measure which is you know this feeling of butterflies in your stomach or lightheadedness or Um, sleep disturbances are very common, Um, panic attacks, changes in your sex drive, nausea, things like that, right? So anxiety encompasses a lot of things. One thing to say is that the difficulty is that a a lot of these could also be part of, uh, you know, being pregnant, right? The last two, sex drive, nausea. I mean, (laughs) that could happen to 90% of women who are pregnant. Sleepless nights. So the trick is... (laughs) Yeah, sleepless nights, come on, <laughs> especially, and I know that, yeah, even now. We both feel that. Later. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so it's it's about knowing, you know, when these accumulate um, and add up, and then they become 
overbearing, overwhelming, things like that. Um, but that is essentially that's anxiety. And then perinatal anxiety would be having these these feelings around being pregnant or having a child. Now, um, you may hear the term prenatal or postnatal, which is you know as 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 everybody knows, you know before and after the birth. But perinatal means anxiety from pregnancy to around a year after your child is born but you know it's anxiety in the end so those feelings as they allude to uh your child and your pregnancy yeah and I think like definitely a lot of the symptoms that you have just mentioned there completely resonate with me who I'm very much still in the in the perinatal period and to some extent Mm. I feel like I'm not surprised by that because in pregnancy we, I think as women, you feel this immense pressure because you are the only one that can influence the health of your baby at that point. You know, your abdomen, unfortunately, is not see-through. No one else can see what's going on. It's a massive pressure on your shoulders for this incredibly precious, precious life. And I remember when I was about 27 weeks pregnant with my little boy, pairing for a couple who had tragically lost their baby at 27 weeks. And they also had a little boy and I was doing all of his casts and footprints. And that gave me a humongous amount of anxiety because it just felt so close to home. And it took me a good few weeks, I think, to to really try and distance myself from that situation because it did just feel too close. And usually I'm pretty good when I'm at work. Throughout my pregnancy, I was very much in my uniform, midwife headspace and I could really dissociate but I remember at that time thinking actually this this now feels quite difficult and I think you know those those hormonal changes that maternal instinct in pregnancy is is just something else isn't it and and in that way it's no surprise it predisposes us to anxiety why do you think from the work you've done and the research you've done and and the families you've worked with why do you think it's so common in pregnancy is it that immense pressure and that precious nature of growing a child This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mm Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I don't think I can say it better than what you just said. I mean, I'd uh, I'd add that um, you know, be, you know, becoming a parent obviously comes with all of this responsibility. But just everything that you before perhaps caused you stress now resonates even more as a parent. Like, let's let's talk about the. I mean, the biggest sources of stresses I've seen in surveys recently are obvious. You know, the, obviously, the war in Ukraine the yeah. pandemic, you know, the, these events happening in the news. Um, and it could be the school shooting recently in Texas. Like when you see that as a parent, that just like you're, the stress that you felt before goes into overdrive. So, you know, the, the war in Ukraine hit me really hard when I listened to families being affected. It's almost killed. like instead of and hearing I, it, you, you feel it, don't you? When, once you're a parent, yes, you actually you totally, feel that totally. pain, you feel that that yeah that absolute fear that must have gone through those those families rather than just hearing it and thinking oh like obviously that's really sad but I just think you feel it differently it hits you differently exactly you you feel it but like you said with a sense of responsibility Mm. um that you know you are responsible 
anyway, from anything like this happening to, you know, to your own child, right? So, and le on that, let me, let me share briefly a story. Um, just the other day we were at the playground and, and we were talking to uh, uh, a mother and her daughter was on the, one of the apparatuses and she mm -hmm. fell about two meters really uh, badly. And, uh, and, you know, we were nearby, rushed over and the child kind of lost consciousness for a little bit. We called mm -hmm. an ambulance and, you know, the mother was very, very stressed. Fortunately, you know, she, um, the, the child came, came back and, uh, and was okay, um, uh, in the end, but, but like, I just keep, keep thinking about how that could happen to, to my brain. And it's, and it's an accident, right? Mm. So imagine, imagine, you know, the, the worst case scenario and things like that. Like we all think, what if that happens to me? And so this is us normalizing it because we, we as parents can, can attest to it. Um, but you have to, so there's all this pressure to deal with it, right? Because it's part of what's expected of you. Mm -hmm. um, and also the pressure to not disclose it because it's meant to be this wonderful thing, you know, pregnancy and being a parent. Society is still, you know, expecting you to, you know, talk about how amazing it is. And, you know, other people, obviously the stuff we put out on social media is mostly amazing things. Like, I mean, I'm not putting up pictures of, of uh, my, my boy um, when he's like sick and, you know, or just thrown up. Like, I don't want to do that, right? It's and your, your reaction isn't to grab your phone when he's just been sick. Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. Yes, thank you. Obviously, <laughs> obviously not imagine. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's expectations. Um, there's pressures um, and everything all rolled into one. Um, and it's also such an important time that will resonate, you know, for years and years down the line and also will resonate with our children. So, you know, they can feel it. You know, perinatal anxiety is actually tied um, to uh, things like um, development issues or with with the child feeding difficulties bonding issues like that's that's been researched as well so that's why it's it's um it's key to look into it as well and that's why it, it can be so common during pregnancy right um so yeah hugely important so we i think we we you know most people probably will be now thinking oh yeah i've you know i've had a bit of anxiety about a circumstance or just gen generalized when do we kind of cross this line, I suppose? Because I feel like just chatting to you, there's kind of this line where we've got normal anxiety yeah. because it's a stressful time and everything's new and your world's about to change forever. Um, and then you've got anxiety where you can't leave the house or, you know, it's really, yeah. really an, an issue. Is there like a, a line that we cross? Is there normal and abnormal anxiety in, in the perinatal period? What are your thoughts? <laughs> We're just taking a quick pause from this episode so that I can share with you a brand that I know you're going to love as much as I do. My Little Finley is growing up fast and is almost on the move, which means it's now time to start making our home safe for him. Did you know that every single week, at least one child under five years of age dies in an accident? 75% of which happen in their own home. I think this is terrifying. And this is why the team at Cheeky Rascals offer a variety of products that not only help make parents' lives easier, 
but are also the safest on the market, including brands like Love to Dream, Rocket, and the Fred Baby Proofing Safety Range, which has everything you need to keep your little ones safe and your mind at ease. I want to support you to make your home safer for your little one and prevent them coming to any harm. So Cheeky Rascals are sponsoring this podcast and offering you 15% off Fred safety products using the code midwifepip15. Yeah, yeah, I, I I think that's that's unfair to say. Although that line can mean different things to different people, and it can be blurry, so um, it's not gospel what I'm about to say. But it's definitely when these worries build up and become overwhelming, or you start to take anxious actions, right, like avoiding places or or people or, or activities. You know, maybe you you start avoiding leaving the house because of exposure to germs from your babies or, you know, be, being over controlling so you don't let anyone touch or play with your baby, things like that. Sometimes, you know, we could get those, um, uh, I mean, so, sorry, sometimes it may be others close to us, like our friends or family members who start to say, you know, this is, this is not normal or you're behaving in a, in a different way and then we start to look inwards and go yeah i am different to to what i usually am like this is this is not my normal self right um i uh, i actually interviewed um uh a user of our perinatal program recently and she said something that i remember well, she said a lot of things that i remember uh, strongly and one was that she stopped seeing this friend who was pregnant and who she saw as having a wonderful pregnancy and everything was fine. And so she couldn't bear to see her because she thought that, you know, she was too anxious or too scared and, you know, didn't want to compare herself Mm -hmm. to her. Um, And so it's these kinds of things that kind of trigger, um, trigger us to think, well, maybe this is getting a little bit too much. Um, now I realize that that's hard because we just talked about how we're going through a really difficult phase, um, you know, uh, at the societal level. So if everybody's worried about these things, then how do we differentiate? So at the same time, I'd say, look, the minute you think that this could be this, this is you know too much to handle, or it's it's overwhelming, or it's not normal, like you need to reach out and talk about it you know, and seek help because um, sometimes that line is difficult to to see, you know, sometimes you cross it without even knowing. I think, you know, speaking up, reaching out for help is just that we need to shout that from the rooftops, don't we? Because it is so, so important. Like it can feel really lonely. It can feel really tough, but you are never on your own. There is always other people feeling the exact same way. I just wonder if you could share with us some kind of like self-help measures that perhaps people can try and implement if they are struggling with a bit of anxiety. And then when perhaps that isn't enough and why and when medication may be an option or or the answer for an individual. Okay, yeah. So um, with regards to self-help, again, that would be just like any other anxiety or anxiety in general. And um, one thing that I that I like is um, and that I've seen 
um, in other places is that you need to balance your activities, right? Uh, imagine it's a, it's a three-legged stool and you've got your routine activities, right? The things that you do in your day-to-day -day that are part of you being more comfortable, which mm -hmm. is, you know, making dinner and, you know, washing your clothes and, you know, like they may be dull, but you, you have to do them. Otherwise, you know, your house is a mess and that creates anxiety, right? But then you've got the necessary activities, which are, you know, definitely not pleasurable, like paying the bills or, you know, like planning for something or preparing for a project or an interview. And then you've got the pleasurable activities, which are definitely important to make a priority. So firstly, it's having that balance of those two things, but that means really, really making sure that you indulge in pleasurable activities, that you make self-care a priority, right? And now obviously I could name several, but you know, Pip, if I ask you right now, like what do you do to treat yourself? Like you could answer that quickly, you know? Like what, I, what would you do? So for me it's exercise. Those endorphins are exercise. really important. And and I always think that as a new mum, I'm in this like gap between Mary Poppins and the Hulk. And to to try and to try and prevent me being the Hulk and to realise that Mary Poppins isn't massively realistic, I have to widen that gap. And widening that gap is what keeps me in a healthy state and helps me be a good mum. And so for me, those self help, those self care measures like exercise, like eating well, you know, like yeah. doing some breath work, helps widen that gap and prevent me becoming the Hulk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> well, I mean, look, Mary Poppins wasn't perfect, and the Hulk does have some things going for him. So. <laughs> just a few. <laughs> just, just, just that balance, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you you named um, three three key ones. I mean, um, obviously, spending time with friends and family, and um, or just you know, going for long walks, um, being out in nature, mm. getting good sleep uh, as much as possible actually disconnecting from the news right like you know treating that as a as a as a diet almost um but yeah making time for pleasurable activities and really thinking what do i like to do never mind and especially as parents never mind my kids never mind my partner what makes me as an individual happy i think it's really really important so yeah in that sense um uh, I think um, I think everybody could make a list of the things that uh, that give them pleasure. So you know, in in that regard, um, that's that's something that we can all do, right? Um, then you asked um, uh, about medication. Yeah, sort of when um, when is that when we when we cross that line from normal to abnormal? Is that when we when it might be an option? Or I don't know. What are your thoughts? I guess it's different for everybody, of course. Yeah, well, I mean, there I, I'd have to answer just as a as a doctor in general and 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 someone who who works a lot in that um, space where psychology, psychiatry interplay as well. I mean, one which should never make their own decisions about taking medication. It's always something you should talk to an expert about. But you know, certainly medication comes into play where the situation um, is. Um, well, it's it's necessary when you know talking therapies or or psychological uh, treatments aren't um, aren't helping as much as as you want, or, or there's something more urgent. Um, but you know, thankfully there are guidelines um, out there, and you know, your GP, your talking therapy provider would know when it's time to recommend a medication. But before before then, there's a lot you know that you can do. 
yeah. certainly, right? And so we, we talked about these self-help tips, but um, there's definitely a lot of other um, uh, techniques that come from talking therapy, CBT and otherwise that, that you can do for sure. Yeah, definitely. And that's, that's a really good point, you know, that that seeking help is, is just just the most important thing to do, isn't it? You know, we don't have to do this on our own. We shouldn't be doing it on our own. Um, now, I know you've given us loads of tips and we've talked a lot about anxiety, but I wonder if you could finish us off with three of your top tips to managing or perhaps seeking help with perinatal anxiety. <laughs> three top tips. I know. Um, so, yeah, Always yeah. Um, <laughs> well, um, look, there are, uh, before before saying um, three top tips uh, of my own, I, I do want to say that there, good re- there, there are good resources out there. And as a researcher, um, I do like to recommend the ones that have actually been validated there there's even research that have looked that has looked at websites across the world uh in english by the way but this is obviously relevant here to an english-speaking audience um but um that have more accurate information or more helpful information um that's presented in the best way so uh mind in the uk is really good um and um and then uh uh, Anxiety Canada has some really good information, as does um, uh, PADA, PADA in New Zealand. So those are three websites with a ton of useful information um, that you can look to. Uh, and because there's there's a ton of uh, resources and tips there. Um, but just, you know, for, for your listeners now, I do think that it's important to stress out, stress on a few things. So one is definitely don't feel ashamed, you know, um, if you feel overwhelmed and you can't cope, it's okay, right? It's okay to feel that. Um, and it's okay to seek help. It's okay that after, if you seek help, it's not working out or at first it doesn't, you know, make anything better. That's okay too. Like your struggles are in others. Your struggles have been experienced by others. Um, we've said this already, Treat your mental health just like you would your physical problems. Um, when you have a fever, you take something for that. When you have a headache, you take something for that. So, you know, when you're feeling anxious or depressed or stressed, you know, um, do something about it for sure. Uh, you owe it to yourself and others around you. Um, also, and and this is actually um, a tip that I that I'm uh, borrowing from from my guest on my goddess Eva. She was she was really great in saying this that don't compare yourself to others, right? Because you feel that they're coping and and so should you, um, and you set these unrealistic expectations of yourselves. Compare your, compare to your past versions of yourself, right? Like, is this normal? Should I feel? Should I be feeling this, right? Um, and then uh, one thing to say, and this actually comes from our own space from from perinatal program. Um, that, uh, by the way, um, just to say on this that this is something that you can access through your NHS talking therapy IA provider. So you know, you um, if you if you talk to your GP uh, or your talking therapist, they may recommend internet delivered. Um, solutions such as uh, our CBT programs. But um, one thing that's there that I think is very useful is some something around dividing your worries, which 
means that you acknowledge them, you list them, and you understand what's worrying you. Ask yourself the question, can you do something about this worry? Um, and if the answer is no, then it's a hypothetical worry, right? So it's not anything that can actually happen, but it could happen. So a way of coping, um, a coping mechanism of that is shifting your focus. So, you know, thinking about a sound or something else in the room or, or a picture or something that shifts your focus onto that. You've acknowledged that the worry is there, fine. But then, you know, instead of focusing on that, focus on something else. Um, but then there's the practical worries, which you can do something about. And so what you do there is actively problem solve. So convert it into a practical problem which you can do something about. Let's say you're worried that you won't be ready for the delivery. Well, you know, maybe put together a list of everything you need, right? Um, you know, the, the classic, uh, what to go, well, the baby bag or the baby prep bag, which by the way is something that we, we didn't have because when I was like three and a half weeks premature, so we had the list, <laughs> we didn't have the bag. Um, so I'll I'll say that when, when my partner's water broke, I was in the, you know, outside the hospital at 2 a.m. ordering off Amazon now, uh, just diapers to the house, <laughs> like a maniac. Um, <laughs> Love it. Great preparation. So, yes. Yeah. Super preparation. So um, I should follow my own advice. Um, but, um, but no, I mean, sometimes obviously these things can catch you off guard. But the point is, is that you can plan ahead and problem solve. So that's um I think that's that's a really nice tip. And then another thing that I really like is um to avoid thinking traps, right? So thinking traps are, for example, thinking, um, jumping to conclusions. So saying that, oh, like I'm gonna like my my baby's not gonna eat, um, you know, uh, I'm gonna be a bad parent, things mm -hmm. thing, things like that. And then saying, Okay, wait, like you know, what evidence do you have to support this? Like every baby is different, you know, and, and talking yourself um, out of that. Or um, uh, there's the worst case scenario, right? So um, if, uh, if a doctor or a, or a surgery calls to say, you know, can you call us back about the results? Not thinking that they're going to tell you something horrible. Maybe they just want to tell you, you know, that they screen and it's normal and everything's fine. So um, these things um, I think are also uh, important to do. Um, again, this this information is is out there, but I, I think they're just you know I, I like to hone in on the tips that I think are are super helpful. And then, um, look, I mean I'm a, a bit of a, a data geek, so I think information um, can be great because it allows us to make more informed choices. So I love this book called Crib Sheet, which essentially grabs all of the research and then tells you this is what the research is you know, on weaning or breastfeeding or, you know, um, uh, uh, um, sudden infant uh, death syndrome. So it's like, this is what is out there. You make the decisions that you want, um, you know, for yourself. And that gives you a sense of control. And I think that's really valuable at a time where it can feel that nothing is in your control because everything's different. And, mm. you know, um, so I think those are, are things that, that are important to call out. And then, look, I mean, just from an anxiety point of view, um, I have, you know, my own uh, issues with anxiety for different things, but I always think that it's a lot, the situation's a lot worse than what, what you make it out to be in, in your head. And I've shared this 
this before, but I get really anxious when I'm presenting or even coming to podcasts like this one, uh, Pip. So, I mean, I was worried that I was going to say the wrong thing or come across as, you know, uh, a fraud or that I'm lying, you know, but hopefully your listeners and You've yourself been are thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. See, I needed that reassurance. You needed no, um, no need for anxiety on her. <laughs> But um, but yeah, so you know, every no one is is um, is immune to these things. So um, the, the reality is is a lot kinder uh, mm-hmm. always. So um, uh, those are, I think, the things that I'd say. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's something that you, you know one could talk about for a long time. But um, again, it's um, it's just you know, so you know, talk about it. Talk to whoever you feel comfortable with talking about it support others support yourself and the other thing to say is you never know the knock-on effect this can have because these tools that i'm talking about these things that you learn maybe they apply to perinatal anxiety today maybe tomorrow they'll apply to your relationship or your job mm-hmm. you know um it's um it's they're, they're really like think of it as educating yourself and preparing yourself to be you know just to be better prepared in the future again you would take a first aid course to know what to do if your child falls or chokes on something you should or you should right and you're by no doubt you're an advocate of that um, um well you know it's the same here you know these tools might you know maybe right now you don't know if, if they'll come in handy but maybe in the future they will right it comes back again, doesn't um, so, it? To not segregating yeah. our mental and our physical health. You know, we have to we have to plan and we have to protect yeah. both of them simultaneously. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> those are I my three your or three, seven or six. I don't know how many tips they were. <laughs> when you're passionate about something, it's really hard to narrow it down to three, isn't it? Yeah, so do not is, worry. Um, thank you so much for coming on to chat to me today. Um, and I'm sure that listening to, 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 I guess, some of the normalizing conversation, but also some of the realization that there is help out there and to speak up yep. and to not compare and to treat yourself with the kindness and compassion that you would your friend or your family member when it comes to mm-hmm. perinatal anxiety is so important. So I know you thanked me at the beginning for the profession and for the midwives, but but thank you for the work that you're doing to support perinatal mental health because it is so important and really we are I think scratching the surface and only just starting to yes. lift the lid on a little bit of that taboo there's still a hell of a lot more work exactly. to be done um, exactly. so thank you for championing yes. that it's really important no it's a pleasure and and I think you hit the nail on the head there uh, we, we're just getting started so that's why you know I think I feel lucky to be in a profession where there's still so much we can do so much headway and so many people we can help um, so thanks to you as well for having this this podcast and, and talking about it and talking to so many people and um and yeah just um making people more aware and helping so so many people along the way so thanks thanks so much for having me it's been a pleasure Pip. oh pleasure lovely to chat to you and that's it for another episode i hope you enjoyed listening remember you can use your exclusive discount code podcast 15 on all my online courses and why not check out my free mini course while you're there too If you enjoyed listening to this episode, remember to hit subscribe so you're the first to hear about all the upcoming chats too. And I'd be immensely grateful if you could take a couple of minutes to leave me a quick podcast review too. I look forward to speaking to you again very soon.
Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. <laughs> to be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.